Welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. Jesus is all I need. That, that's the motivation behind ministry. Brennan and I were in my office this week, and we were just shooting the breeze, and uh, it was kind of a, a ministry conversation. Uh, we we're just talking about situations that youth are exposed to today. Um, he was homeschooled in a pastor's home, so pretty sheltered life, and now he's working out here in this situation where there's kids from all kinds of different backgrounds, and, and he knows kids from outside of our church with all kinds of backgrounds, and so, so we were talking about the, the world that youth are growing up, to, uh, growing up into and how some kids have been raised genuinely in hopeless situations. Do you hear me? We were talking about people, young people, youth, who were raised in hopeless situations. They weren't raised in a Christian home. They weren't raised where where mom and dad got along and there was prayer and Bible reading at home. They weren't raised in a place where, where when tragedy strikes, we call our Christian friends and we pray together and we encourage one another. They were raised in a hopeless situation. So Brendan and I were talking and he asked the question, he says, uh, he says, what do we do to help them? Can we even help them? It's a significant question. It's a very significant question. This is why I serve God. I believe with all my heart that Jesus really is the answer. I believe that He is the only answer. I don't work for people. I don't believe that I can do anything to help people. If I worked for people, I would get very discouraged, partly because I can't do anything very well and people don't change, and that's both very frustrating. I work for God. I do all that I can to bring the life-transforming message of Jesus Christ to people so that God can change them. Dad How do we help them? We don't. We just give them Jesus, and He changes them. We don't live for them. We don't serve them. We live in obedience to God, and we give everybody we can the message of Jesus Christ so that hopefully they will believe in Him and become fully devoted followers of Christ. I work for God so that He can demonstrate His glory in the lives of people who are hopeless. Does that make sense? I don't serve people. I serve God. I use the talents that God has entrusted me with for His glory. I can't lose sight of the fact that I work for God, and He is the one who gives rewards. Otherwise, I would work grudgingly. I would stop caring And I would no longer watch out for the protection of the congregation. Because you guys are not enough motivation. 
I don't love you that much. I love God that much. (laughs) You guys think way too highly of yourselves. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, because you know, you know in your home that if those little kids that live in your house weren't blood relatives, (laughs) right? So we serve God out of obedience. We show grace out of obedience to God. We love people out of obedience to God. Unfortunately, I really do believe that sometimes, sometimes pastors labor for the people and then they get discouraged and they get frustrated and they get burned out. Because if you're serving for people, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get tired. You're going to get angry. God is always faithful. We serve Him, and whatever He does in the lives of the people, that's for His glory and His honor, for His praise. It's not anything I did. So here again, we're shifting gears. Here again, Peter is giving elders instructions in front of the entire congregation. It is to help, uh, help you to know that elders, church leaders, pastors, they serve God. They serve God out of faithfulness to God. They care and they watch over the congregation as a service to God. A pastor's first responsibility is not to serve you. Uh, It's been good being the pastor here. (laughs) It's not to make you happy. It is to honor God first with his own life. And from that caring for and that watching over the congregation in a God-honoring, God-glorifying way. Does that make sense? That's how we care for the congregation is we put God first. We seek God first. And then as a pastor or as a leader, the congregation watches. We're going to come to the example here in a minute. The congregation watches the example and they follow that example. I'm getting so far ahead of myself, Brent. Hurry up. We have, uh, we've had people that have actually left our church because, uh, because the church leadership that exists in place wasn't just me, but, but we've had people that left the church because the church leadership didn't do what they wanted us to do. Can you believe that? Brent, we should do this. I say, no, we're not going to do that. Well, then I'm going to a different church. Yeah, well... I have visitors' packets from multiple churches in my office. Stop by and I'll point you in a direction. (laughs) I'm just being serious. (laughs) Listen, listen very carefully to what I'm saying, okay? Because here again, you're going to take something out of context and go, go squirrely. This is not your church, this is God's church. And it is the responsibility of every single one of us to honor it as God's church. Yeah, that's true. It is the responsibility of every single one of us to serve God first, to seek His glory in our lives, and to seek His glory in His church. We seek God's desires, not our own desires, specifically in the body of Christ. If we were all seeking our own desires in the church, 
We'd end up arguing with one another and bickering with one another. And buddy, I have heard of churches like that. I don't want to pastor those churches. I really don't. Every one of us cares about one another. We care for one another because we serve God. We seek first the kingdom of God. Our calling is much bigger than just making people happy. It's about serving God. The icing on the cake is that as we serve God, people around us are given a genuine joy in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just, oh, that was the best coffee we've ever had at church. You know, if you pick your church based on how good the coffee is, we've got a problem. You don't live in obedience to God because those you go to church with make you happy. There's kind of my, pre- my, my thesis, my premise, and then that works out in two different ways. You don't live in obedience to God because those you go to church with make you happy. You don't do that. This plays out in two different ways. I've heard of pastors who stop caring for and protecting their congregation because someone offended them. <laughs> Whatever I was in Bible school, side story again, sorry. How are we doing on time? We're fine. When I was in Bible school, there was a lot of guys that talk about why they want to be in ministry. And I was a preacher's kid, and so I knew things happen in churches, and pastors get chewed up sometimes in, in churches. I know you guys have never seen that before. Uh, so, so I'm listening to these guys, and I'm thinking, these guys are really thin-skinned. They're going to have a hard time in pastoral ministry because things happen. You know, like that person said that my sermon was too long, <laughs> hurt my feelings. So I'm going to stop preparing. I'm going to stop preaching God's word. I'm just going to read an article. (laughs) Grow up. Grow up. We don't live in obedience because people are happy. We live in obedience to God because God is God, and He's worthy of all the glory, the honor, and the praise, and that includes our obedience. Now, the other side of that is that sometimes you hear people who stop... uh, who get offended at church. And so now we're going to stop living obedience. So they do things like, uh, this is a true story, I have heard of people who stop giving or they stop volunteering in the church because they don't like something that the pastoral leadership did. They're not doing what I want. I just don't like that the pastor bought himself a new car. Obviously, he doesn't need my tithe. Obviously, you don't understand how church finances work. (laughs) Yeah. If you think you live in obedience to God because you have a perfect pastor, really? No, you're missing the whole point. You live in obedience to God because God is God, and He's still working on the pastoral leadership just like everyone else in the congregation. So if you find a flaw in my life or Thomas's life or Chaz's life, you know what? You know this is the real deal. Because if you can't find a flaw in our lives, it's because we're covering up really, really well. Because it's there. Trust me. Except for Thomas, maybe. I think he's perfect. I'm so happy to have Thomas back. I am. Y'all don't have to amen or praise him right now. We're here about Jesus, okay? Sorry, I embarrassed Thomas. Both to Christian leaders and to Christian church members. Both to church leaders and church members, God, oh, this is good, and I didn't put it together very well. Sometimes people come and they think, well, if the, if the church doesn't do what I want it to do, then I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to volunteer. Listen carefully. Watch this. This is harsh, but it's very, very true. You need to hear it. 
I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be a part of the church because they're not doing it like I think that they should do it. And the pastoral leaders, they obviously have it wrong. So I'm just going to not give my part, whatever that is, both to church leaders and church members. So we're talking to everybody, right? God doesn't need you. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your obedience. Just let that sink in for a second. The fact of the matter is, you need God. That is why we all serve Him, is we desperately need God. That is why we make every effort of our being to live in obedience to Him. This is why we live for His glory, not for our own satisfaction. God gives us, listen carefully, God gives us the privilege of being His church. This is a privilege. Well, but I've been a giver here for three months, so I should have a say-so. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus died for you, so your three months doesn't really count for a whole lot. Sorry, we need a healthy perspective of where we're at in relationship to the glory of God. God himself has bent down from heaven to wipe away your sorry sin. And then he's even promised us that he's going to put his glory on you. And we have the audacity to say, is, well, so-and-so didn't do what I thought they should do, so I'm just not going to serve God. Oh, have you lost your mind? No, no, no. We serve God because he's worthy of all of our service and our honor and our praise. It doesn't matter what people do. People, people are going to fail every time. They're going to fail. That's why we fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because over and over and over throughout Scripture, he says, he tells us that God is faithful. People, they're wacky. That's what the message says. Actually, I just made that up. I don't know. Ask Larry after service. I haven't done that in a long time. Sorry, Larry. (laughs) Yeah, people are wacky. You don't know what they're going to do. They're not dependable. God is always faithful. By the way, um, uh, we we all share, we all serve. uh, We are all grateful to God. Um, If you think that I'm referring to a specific situation, because I know that some of you, your, your gears are turning. You're like, what is Brent talking about? There's something going on. I'm not talking about any specific situation. Um, I think that for the most part, we get along really, really well here in our church, and I'm very proud of our church. Uh, So it's a little bit uh, uh, preemptive to share this whole message uh, so that you know that I'm not here to serve you. (laughs) I love you. I'll care for you. I will watch over you. But I serve God first and foremost. And that's what you want, actually. You want me to serve God first. Because if I don't put God first in my life, then I will model a behavior that is not putting God first. Does that make sense? Which gets us to number three. Here we go. Lead by example. This is a tough one, by the way. He says in verse three, he says, don't lord it over people. I like that he uses the word lord. Don't lord it over people assigned to your care. This is a very visual word in my head. I don't know why. 
Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. It's a cool passage, isn't it? There is no greater authentication of what is in a person's heart than their own behavior. Do you hear me? There's no greater authentication of what's really in a person's heart than their own behavior. All people... Uh, let's re- I'm, I'm looking at my notes and I'm thinking I want to rephrase this. People tend to follow the passion or the heart of a person over their instruction. Uh, when people get excited about something, uh, Brendan's a great example, he, uh, neither good or bad, uh, but in the sense that Brendan will get with a bunch of guys and he'll start talking about fishing and hunting, and guys who have never wanted to fish and hunt, all of a sudden they're like, yeah, man, I'm going to buy a license this afternoon. Brennan gets all what you get excited about. And he, you know, you can sit down with somebody and say, go to Walmart, buy a license, we'll go fishing today. And they're like, eh, it's cold. <laughs> That's how I am, <laughs> right? But then you sit down with somebody who's passionate about something you know nothing about, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that's exciting, right? Because we tend to follow another person's passion, we follow their heart over their instruction. Now, I think that Peter is really intuitive about a a church leader's heart here. He's looking into the heart of church leaders, and he's like, I see exactly where, you at, where you're at. I understand what you're saying. So, so we're going to put this in a context that we, most of us can understand. Have you ever corrected your child for bad behavior? I mean, obviously, hopefully. Okay, most of us have. Some of you, stay after service, we're going to talk about this. Have you ever corrected your child for bad behavior? Yes. And then you corrected your child for the same behavior again, And then later you had to correct them again, and then you had to correct them again and again until you behave badly yourself. (laughs) I am judging by the laughs that you are all guilty, as am I. Yeah. It is frustrating when you give instructions and people, good instructions, right? Because as parents, we're all good parents. We give good instructions, and then these little ignorant people just decide to not do what we told them to do over and over and over. And then they begin to bear the consequences of their disobedience and their ignorance in their own life, but then it begins to affect my life too, and now I'm frustrated. Listen to me! Right? Uh, y'all see what kind of parent I am? My kids are teenagers. I think my parenting is like 99% over with. I get to enjoy my kids now. Peter, our frustration with people, watch this, here's, here's the connection. Our, you thought I was got, not going to make any connection, huh? <laughs> like, amen. <laughs> our frustration with people can lead us to our own bad behavior. So Peter writes to the church leaders, and he says, leaders, church leaders, leaders of grace, 
He says, lead by your good example. But Peter, I told them what they should do right before I shook my fist and yelled at them. I told them, be nice to one another. (laughs) Show kindness. I don't know why they're behaving the way they're behaving. I don't know why they're shaking their fist and yelling at each other because I told them not to. Do you see what's happening here? Yeah, we do it to our kids all the time. I mean, I do it to my kids on a regular basis. I did. Don't sacrifice the fruit of the Spirit in order to get people to read their Bibles, to pray, and to invite someone to church. Maybe that wasn't meant for you guys. Maybe that was just for me. But God says, don't sacrifice the fruit of the Spirit to get people to read their Bibles, to pray, or to invite one person to church. Maintain your good behavior regardless of how others behave. Because people are going to follow your example. They're going to follow your behavior over your instruction all the time. You hear parents say every once in a while, don't do what I do, do what I say. And kids hear, and then we're like, why don't they behave? Because they're watching you. I learned as a parent, the greatest mirror of all time is your kids. Why are you acting that way? And your spouse goes, well, actually, they're acting just like you. (laughs) It's sobering. Yeah. Our words, think with me, our words reflect what we think we should be passionate about. There's just so many applications to this. Our words reflect what we think we should be passionate about. We can talk about reading our Bibles. We can talk about prayer. We can talk about we're going to reach the world for Jesus and Christ. We talk about what we think we should be passionate about. But our actions reflect what we are actually passionate about. See, the church... Here, I've got the big stick out now, okay? Hang on to your seats. Here we go. The church has talked about the importance of God's Word, but we haven't been reading it, broadly speaking. We've talked about the importance of praying and relying and putting our trust in God for everyday life, but we're not leading in prayer. We talk about the importance of the Great Commission, and every Sunday morning we say that desert heights exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus, and we're not inviting people to hear the gospel. We talk about what we think we should be passionate about, but our actions actually show what we're passionate about. Then Paul goes on and he gives us motivation for our, our, our exemplary good behavior. He says, when the great shepherd, can you picture this just for a minute? Get your imagination going. When the great shepherd, who is that going to be? The Lord Jesus Christ. When he appears, whenever he appears in, with the holy angels and in His Father's glory is what the Scripture says. He's going to appear with the holy angels. And the Father's glory, whenever He appears in all of His glory, the great shepherd appears. You, 
will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Here again, we play down Christianity as though I have to be meek and mild and poor and pathetic. And the scriptures are telling us God is at work in you to make you a vessel that is worthy of the everlasting glory and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dad gum, Brent, that's good preaching. Yes. I just barely want to make it to heaven. God doesn't want you to barely make it to heaven. He wants to crown you with a crown. I I read a commentary this week that made a big issue of what this crown is of. Because we often say a crown of glory and we think Greeks and we think this little little wreath of golden leaves. No, they're pretty. But it's not. He says says it's a crown of glory. It's a crown of God's glory. This is God's glory placed upon your head. I just think that that's really, really awesome. A crown of never-ending glory and honor from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The glory of God, the honor of God himself set up on our head. A crown made of God's glory. This is pretty magnificent. So what is our motivation for being a good example, for serving God to the point of caring for people that don't listen? (laughs) Did you catch that? It's kind of a backhanded comment. For being a good example for serving God faithfully, our, our, including church leadership, elders, and those who are believers, all of us, the motivation for our good example and for serving God is this wonderful crown of glory that Jesus himself is going to give you. That is a magnificent motivation. That's why we do it. I'm not running this race to barely make it. I'm not serving in the kingdom of God because I get a big paycheck and lots of praise. No, I serve God because one day the great shepherd will share his glory with me by placing his glory on my head. My motivation to share in Christ's sufferings when they come my motivation to care for God's people, my motivation to lead by example is the promise of a crown of glory. God's glory will be fulfilled in me. Brent, you are so arrogant. No, read the whole thing. He takes a vessel that is broken and is of no value and he redeems it and he puts his glory in it. It's not because of anything we do. It's not because of anything I do. It's not anything because of what you do. It's because God chose to send his very own son to die on a cross for your sins so that he could take this broken clay vessel and he could totally transform it into a vessel of gold or silver fit for use in the kingdom of God Almighty. You're not the same. You've been changed by the power of God. That's our motivation. He transforms us. He makes us glorious. Let's bow our heads together and pray. Then I want to share one more thing with you. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace in our lives. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, that comes into our hearts, that you transform these vessels 
You change our hearts. You change our minds. You, you give us life. You give us your life. You give us a life that is worth living. You give us a life that reflects your glory and your honor. And Lord, we look forward to one day whenever you come with your angels and in the glory of God the Father and you crown your people, those who have put their faith in you, you crown us with your glory. Lord, we have so much to live for, so much to be thankful for. So We are filled with gratitude this morning because of your work in us and the work that you have ahead of us. Lord, we just thank you. We want you to be glorified in all that we do. Lord, I pray that as we live our lives this week that you remind us often that this is not my life, but my life has been bought with a price. It's no longer my own, but it's yours. It belongs to you. I pray that throughout this holiday season that our lives not be caught up in arguments or, or uh, discussions that are not important, but that conversations often lead to you came in a manger to die on a cross for our sins so that your glory would be exemplified even in our lives. Help us to point the conversation back to you, to your salvation, to your glory. Lord, use us in your kingdom. Thank you for making us, thank you for giving us the privilege of being a part of your kingdom and being in ministry in your kingdom. You are wonderful and you are kind and you are always faithful. We love you and we give you glory and honor and praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. We would like to invite you to come be a part of Desert Heights Church. Service is every Sunday morning at 1030. You'll find us at 1835 East Main, next to Arby's, here in Farmington, and on the internet at desertheightschurch.com.